You are listening to ReachMD, the only source for medical education and information that is on air, online, and on the go. Welcome to the Connect Dialogues, women's health education on ReachMD. You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health. Your host is Dr. Lisa Mazzullo, Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University Medical School, the Feinberg School of Medicine. An increased number of women of reproductive age are now in the workforce in the last 30 to 40 years in the United States. Their challenges as reproductive age women when they are pregnant in the workplace are something we're going to be discussing today. With me today is Dr. Jane Halpert, the Associate Professor of Industrial and Organizational Psychology at DePaul University in Chicago, Illinois. Welcome, Dr. Halpert. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for coming. So, you know, what do you think the challenges are for a pregnant woman in the United States today in the workplace? I think there are a lot of them, and some of them is just the straight physiological issues. It's hard to be holding down a full-time job, which is exhausting, when you're also pregnant. That's, that's just a reality of it. No matter how smoothly your pregnancy is going, it's still difficult, and I think that's, that is a challenge. There's also the issue of dealing with your company, your supervisor, your coworkers, the people who work with you, who may not understand what's involved, may not understand what, if any, limitations you've got, who come to this with their own set of preconceived notions and assumptions about what a pregnant woman can and cannot do. Um, and then there are all the environmental things that go around it, such as commuting to work. For example, I've had just innumerable women tell me that when they were pregnant and in later stages of pregnancy where it was clearly obvious to everyone around them that they were pregnant, people would on the train and on the bus would bury their heads in their newspaper and leave them standing while pretending they hadn't seen them. It's remarkable how people deal with pregnancy. And I think you're right. In the workplace, we deal with not only the fact that we're pregnant, but also the fact that everyone else seems to have their own agenda. Yes, I think that's correct. I think that uh, one I'd like to talk a little bit more about is the question of fatigue. If someone's fatigued, you know, anyone could be fatigued, not just someone who's pregnant. Is that something that truly would be a limitation as an employer? It depends on the kind of job. Some jobs, it's not that big a deal. And I think we've all had days when we go into work on a little less sleep than we would have liked to have had. And we're a little bit fatigued and we manage to get through our days just fine. Most people can handle that. It's typically not a problem. If it's going to be an issue on an ongoing basis, for example, if the pregnancy is really causing sleep disturbances and you're having a terrible time getting more than three or four hours of sleep a night, that's something you might want to talk to your supervisor about. Absolutely. Do you think that there should be or there is a work hour requirement different for women who are pregnant than for someone who is not? This is sort of a touchy issue because the question becomes, what kind of accommodation should we make for somebody who is pregnant? There are no official rules about this across the board. Different companies have their own policy. Sometimes there is a policy in place about it. Sometimes it just comes down to whatever you can negotiate with your own supervisor. There are some rules about in general, non-discrimination in the workplace if you are pregnant. There is a, a law called the Pregnancy Discrimination Act. What that does is protects women who are pregnant from being discriminated against in the workplace in the same way that, for example, the Civil Rights Act protects you from discrimination on the basis of race or religion or sex. So a company cannot 
fire somebody because she is pregnant. They cannot demote her because she is pregnant. There are some questions about what kind of leave policy they have to have, but most companies will either do something like a flat six weeks or eight weeks maternity leave. Others will take whatever policy they have in place for short-term disability leave, like if you have to go in for surgery and apply that to maternity leave. So there really is no restriction on work hours. I think this is best amplified by the residents that we work with at the hospital who may work anywhere from 60 to 80 hours a week, often on their feet. And there have been some studies, I believe, that show there is no increase in detriment to the pregnancy or to the baby in them doing that while they're pregnant. And I think this is something that's going to depend on the individual woman and the status of her pregnancy. If she's in a regular, normal pregnancy, probably work hours are not going to be an issue. On the other hand, if she's in a high-risk pregnancy, that that's an entirely different can of worms. Exactly. Now, when someone is feeling discriminated against, is there anything specific you're thinking of that we can encourage as physicians, patients to be aware of or to reassure them when something happens that it isn't discrimination? I think there are a few things that women can do. And one is communication. And that's hugely important because often women think that everybody understands what it's like to be pregnant. And that's not always the case. And so people have a set of preconceived notions. And those people are going to include their supervisors. So it's really important to communicate clearly to the company and to supervisors what, if any, limitations she has. Mm -hmm. Are there any legal requirements from the pregnant woman to tell or talk to the employer about whether it's when they tell them or any other information regarding the pregnancy? There are no rules about when the woman discloses to her company that she's pregnant. I tend to recommend that they do it as soon as possible, keeping in mind what is it that your company and that your boss is going to be concerned about when they hear that you're pregnant. And the things they're going to worry about are, are you going to go on maternity leave? When are you leaving? How long are you going to be gone for? Are you, in fact, going to come back? This is a big fear that she's going to go on leave and never come back. And how's your work going to get covered while you're gone? And so the best thing somebody can do in that position is when she goes in to tell her boss that she's pregnant is to say, and I am pregnant and I've thought of these things. Here's what I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. Offer a solution to the problem before it becomes an issue. Or at least show that she's got also the company's concerns in mind and not just her own, because that's one of the major stereotypes about pregnant women, that once you get pregnant, your mind is totally on the baby and that you're not even going to be thinking about your job. And that's not true, but it is a stereotype. And anything you can do to alleviate that is going to make all the people around you in the workplace a little bit more comfortable because bosses worry about this and coworkers worry about it. When she's gone, is her work going to wind up getting dumped on my desk? Mm -hmm, exactly. Do you think there are any other suggestions to minimize the negative reaction from an employer when someone knows they're pregnant? Beside that, because that's an excellent idea. Yeah, I think the communication is a big one. I think it's really helpful to the extent that you can to keep your work and your personal life separate. That is, you know, what you chat about with your friends on break or at lunch, that's fine. You want to talk about how you're decorating the baby's room, no problem. But don't let that be your only topic of conversation at work.
If you're just joining us, we're discussing industrial discrimination against pregnant women and the perceptions of their employers and themselves in negotiating the workplace with Dr. Jane Halpert, who is an associate professor of industrial and organizational psychology at DePaul University. So, Dr. Halpert, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about maternity leave. When someone is securing maternity leave, what are their main concerns in that regard? They want to know when you're going to be gone, when you're planning to come back, and are you coming back? Those are the biggest concerns. Most companies have some sort of standard maternity leave policy. The most common one I've seen is six weeks. When the woman starts her maternity leave is really something that she needs to discuss with her doctor. Is she going to work right up until labor begins? Is she going to go on leave a week before her due date, two weeks before? What are her plans? And that really is a medical decision. Exactly. You know, as a physician, we often recommend that people work and use the time for the baby's care and their postpartum care. But sometimes people just have the physical limitations of which they cannot work through. And I do agree with that. Is there a right for the pregnant woman who has significant physical limitations through the pregnancy, for example, not at the end, but if they have preterm labor or high blood pressure that requires bed rest? That, again, is something that's going to need to be worked out with the employer. Most employers, if you've had a good working relationship with your company, they're probably going to be willing to make some accommodation for that. There is also the possibility of invoking the Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA which gives you the right to an additional 12 weeks off for something like this. The catch, of course, is that that's unpaid. They have to save your job in that regard, don't they? Yes, they do. They have to hold on to your job so that you would come back to the identical job or an equally compensated job. That is, you should not have to take a cut in pay because of this. And whatever your status in the seniority tree gets held while you're on leave and your benefits keep going while you're on leave. But there is no paycheck during the FMLA, so it's 12 weeks, but not everybody can afford 12 weeks of unpaid leave. Why do you think the maternity leave is so much longer in Europe than it is in the United States? I have patients who say to me all the time, what do you mean you're arguing for three months for me? My friends in Denmark get a year off. Yeah, I think that's true. I hear that a lot also. The thing to balance that against is the reality that most of the countries that give that larger maternity leave also have much higher income taxes than we do. So it's kind of a trade-off. Somebody's going to be paying for that time. And if you're going to get all this additional paid time off, where's the money to fund that coming from? Well, it's coming from the tax base. It also occurred to me that as an employer myself, if I had an employee that I had to secure a job for a year, how would I cover that job during that time, especially if multiple employees were pregnant at the same time? It's a real problem for the employer, which is why they tend to worry about that. The other thing is right now, this is something where being willing to compromise to the extent that you can and being able to work with your employer rather than just demanding things is a good idea because, as we all know, we're in a, we're in a difficult labor market right now. And this is the kind of place where if you say, well, if you don't give me what I want, I'll quit. It's much easier for the company to think, well, we can replace her. There's lots of unemployed folks out there. Yeah, I think that brings up a good point that the current economic situation that the country is in makes the job market even more stressful for people who are pregnant and non-pregnant. It is. And it's more of a worry and it's more of a concern. I would say to women who are going through that and who are having these high stress levels, which in itself is not good for your pregnancy, again, keeping lines of communication open. You should not have to be wondering, are they going to hold my job? You should know and you should have it in writing from your HR department. 
I think that brings up a really good point that when someone meets with someone, everything needs to be documented to protect them as well as also to protect the employer. That's correct. And if there are special needs, if they can get something from documenting that. Mm -hmm. Is there any special policy for maternity leave if someone, for example, is adopting a child as opposed to having one naturally? Most companies that I've seen will allow the same, essentially the same maternity leave for adoptions as for births. And have you seen any new trends in paternity leave? You know, we had as a as an obstetrical and gynecology residency program, we instituted a formal two-week paternity leave, which apparently revolutionized the institution I work at, which I thought was funny because, you know, men have babies too. And do you think there are any new trends or any ways to secure paternity leave in a better fashion other than the coup that we needed to do? I've heard a lot of companies talking about that. I haven't seen a lot of them actually implementing it more for reasons of cost, I think, than anything else. There is still the FMLA that men also are entitled to those 12 weeks of unpaid leave. And I've seen families do something like having a woman take her six weeks of maternity leave, followed by 12 weeks of FMLA leave, followed by the father taking the next 12 weeks so that between the two of them, there's over half a year of a parent home with the baby. So that essentially we're saying that the partner of someone who's had a child, whether it's an alternative relationship or a more traditional one, should be able to call on the FMLA to take time off as well? Yes, this is for family. You do not have to have been the person who was pregnant. You can be a spouse or a partner. You can also use the FMLA uh, for things other than child care. For example, if you need time off to deal with an elderly parent. That's very interesting to know that it's not just related to health care for yourself. What do you think we should suggest as physicians and healthcare workers to a patient who feels they are suffering from discrimination in the workplace when pregnant? I think the first step always is, if possible, talk to the supervisor, talk to the boss. It may be real discrimination. It may be poor communication that can be straightened out. Give you an example. I talked to a woman some years ago who was pregnant, and about a week after she told her boss she was pregnant, she got to work one day and discovered that on the posted list of when what employees were going out of town to work with what clients, her name was crossed off the list, which sounds like clear discrimination until she went and talked to her boss who said, oh, well, I just assumed that because you were pregnant, you couldn't fly. Thank you to Dr. Jane Halpert, who's been our guest. We've been discussing the challenges in the workplace for women who are pregnant. I'm Dr. Lisa Mazzullo. For complete program guide and podcast, please visit ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening to Advances in Women's Health with your host, Dr. Lisa Mazzullo. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show or to download the segment, please go to ReachMD.com forward slash women's health. You've been listening to the Connect Dialogues, women's health education. If you missed any part of this program or would like to hear more like it, visit www.reachmd.com forward slash connect dialogues.